0: Now, that's what I call sport podcast. Hey, it's Jamie Moore here. You're on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. We've just spoken to Dinny Corcoran and Paddy Kavanaugh, and our 3rd exposed player now has joined us in the studio. Mr. Keelan Dillon, how are you? Not too bad, Jamie. How are you? I'm going to just say this, and this is not because Keelan is sitting beside me, but the best schoolboy player I've ever seen is in the
1: studio. Very kind of you, Jamie. No, I don't know about that. And no, I'm not
0: saying it because you're here, but uh, you played for my dad for Belvedere I did, and yeah. your Belvedere team. Pierce Sweeney is at Exeter, went away to uh, Reading, was it? Went to Reading for sure. Sean Cavanat yeah. now playing for Shamrock Rovers, went Fulham. to Fulham. Daryl Lennon said at Blackburn and Adam Evans now playing for Longford, went to Burnley, has had a few clubs as well. Yeah. That was an unbelievable schoolboy team and when you were twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, you were you still are, but at that level at schoolboy level, you were you were top of the game.
1: Yeah, it's kinda of Jamie, as you said. Obviously that team went on, did really well, Won a couple of All Irelands and now got a few of us who move away and it's a great team to play in and probably the most enjoyable football we've played even still to date was at that time at Belva.
0: Yeah, what were those days like given your team was so good and there were so many like top players in it?
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes you'd even go away with the international team and it'd feel that it was similar to playing with Belva. There were so many good players. Like I think at times when I first signed the players like Sean Cavanagh couldn't get in the team. At times when we were when I first signed there and obviously, you know, he progressed on a bit later and he was always very small at the time but it were great times and it was a great team to play in and it was always enjoyable it was ourselves and Cherry Orchard at the time we never quite pipped them for the league but we won two All-Irelands never lost a game I think we only conceded one goal in the two seasons so it was always enjoyable going out playing and learnt loads and there lads I'm still friends with now until this day Look,
0: Yeah, we've had a, kind of a theme in this podcast speaking to the previous two lads as well just about young players moving away and you know the opportunity that that might give someone or might not give someone but when you're like 14 and you're you're a top schoolboy player you're an international as well and you know you're playing and everyone is coming to watch you and loads of clubs are offering you trials and, and that sort of stuff what's that like as a kid
1: well you think a top dog at the time you know everyone's coming to watch you think you know nearly at that stage you're even thinking oh, well, i'm guaranteed now i move to england i'm one of the best players in the league here in the schoolboy, and we're one of the best teams around and you know, it's great coming to watch you're thinking you know, everyone's talking before the game you get to know who the scouts are and you're thinking oh, there's you know, Man United or Derby West Ham whoever happens to be there you're watching out to see who's watching it and you know, you're know you nearly playing up to say Well, hey, lads come on he's watching today let's see what we can do see if we can we get away and that's all you're really thinking about at the time is how can I get away is that
0: does that add pressure
1: to you personally
0: to your parents to the team managers even and Like, I'm I'm not sure on this, and I I think, you know, scouts personally, I don't think a scout should be walking into a park wearing a Man United coat or, you know, a Barcelona coat. I think they should be just in plain clothes, and eventually you might get to know who they are. But I just think for kids, when they start to look over their shoulder, same for international staff, uh, even at the Kennedy Cup, all the FAI staff wear their FAI. And I just think, just let the kids take a step back and and, and play, whereas you you just said to yourself, you walk in, geez, there's the man you've got to have to to score a hat-trick here. I might not pass that ball because he's watching.
1: Yeah, it definitely does work like that now at the time. I loved it. The more that we were there, watching, the better I felt. It was like, great, here's another. He hasn't been here before. There's another club now for me to have a chance to try and impress. And I loved that at the time, but I can see how, for a lot of younger players, I was probably at 14 or 15, maybe more mature than other lads might be at 14 or 15, so I could understand how players could be going on. Oh, no, jeez, if I don't play well here today, that's it. That's my chance gone to ever be a footballer. Or oh, I just loved it. I just took it all in and said... Great. bring them all down, let them all come and watch us because we were such a good team and it was hard not to look good in that team and me and Adam scored a lot of goals in them two seasons we were nearly guaranteed every week that we'd get one each we were that far ahead of a lot of the other teams in, in the league so I loved them coming to watch but I can understand where you're coming from with not wearing the, the club jacket and it does put a lot of pressure on some people who you know, just desperately want to get I moved to England.
0: Yeah, just to a, a, uh, a Marcelo Bielsa's friend job and hiding oh, in the bushes, hiding <laughs> the bushes with a, a, some sort of an invisible cape like yeah. Harry Potter. So, you, you're playing in all these games for Belvo and for Ireland, and the trials are coming, and you're going on trials anytime you can midterm break, sometimes maybe even missing school. Talk to me about that process because it's something that a lot of Irish kids go through. Some get signed, some don't get signed, but you were in a position where you know, so many people wanted you. It was nearly you going to give the club. An audition, as opposed to them giving you one.
1: Yeah, well, I went to I went across to a couple of clubs. I was at Celtic, Aston Villa, Derby. Um, I was at Derby five or six times before I actually signed. But Marco was Mr. Scout there, brought me over, and there was a lot of Irish lads there at the time. And I kind of knew after my first week that that was probably where I was going to sign. I signed very early. I was I don't think I'd even turned 15 yet. I'd only been to three or four clubs, and I just felt that everything at Derby was what I wanted, and I was happy to go. It turned out afterwards that other clubs came in looking for me to go on trial but I'd already agreed to go to Derby because while I was there all the Irish lads the facilities they had how it was sold to me Mark O'Brien the scout played a big part in it as well and I just felt that that was the right place for me to go so I was kind of lucky that that ticked all the boxes for me any time I went over I played well enjoyed staying with the lads and the digs and whatever and I just felt that that was the right club for me but I was at other club when I went to Aston Villa I kind of knew after one week there that that probably wasn't going to be the club for me, just without the feeling I got from the club. I was at Celtic two or three times, and we only kind of went over and played a game and flew home. So I didn't really get a feel for it, but I knew at Aston Villa that I probably wasn't going to sign there. I know four or five other Irish lads went there, so like Graham Burke, Mikey Drennan, all signed. So they obviously got a different feeling than I did, but I just knew at Derby that that was going to be the club I was going to sign for.
0: And what impact does all of this process have on school? Because you, and you're smiling, if, yeah. to, if we can see, uh, you're, you're smiling there. So you're, you're in school, you're playing school by football, you're playing for Ireland, you're going on the trials, but then you've, to, you, you've signed, but you can't go till a certain age and you have to wait and you're still playing club football and, and you, you know, your club football level stayed at a, at a really good level. You even played a couple of years up at times. But where does school and education fit in? I think the smirk says it all.
1: Yeah, well, in that, like um, my mocks for my junior cert. I had to go and ask the school to be allowed to miss them because we were away playing a tournament with the under-15s for Ireland. So I actually did my mocks at home the week before. Everyone else did and was told just not to tell anyone what the, the questions were and what the answers were. And then I had to go in the following week then, and in the morning before the other exams started, I'd have to catch up on an exam i would missed the week before. So for me, and then obviously I went into transition year after my junior cert because I knew there was no point in me doing fifth year. I was leaving. I would have been wasting my time during the year, fifth year because I wasn't going to do a leaving cert. I was going and I had made up in my mind and that was it, I was out. So I went into transition here and like that, any time clubs came in looking for me, Derby looked for me to go over. I just kind of went to school, took the back seat. Yeah.
0: You could have made a fortune... To your, uh, with your uh, classmates giving them the, the mocks uh, you know you could have given uh, them all the uh, questions you probably I did
1: I wasn't quite a street savvy at the time maybe to, to monetise it but I probably should have yeah. looking back now I could have made myself a few quid there uh. so uh, you sign for Derby yeah. and that's the club you
0: choose and then over the next three years you spend a year at Derby a year at Hull and then a year in St Mirren how
1: would you look back on, on that time? look I'd look back and say I wouldn't be who I am today or I've learnt what I know by not going there Obviously I left Derby after a year, I still had two years left on my contract. I just didn't feel that I was going to, after all the great feelings of being there on trial, I just knew after a year that that wasn't going to be where I was going to become a footballer. I wasn't going to break into the first team there. Um, Partly probably down to me as well, I probably didn't do myself any favours, but I had just, again one day, just kind of came to the decision that this isn't going to be the place for me and I need to move and get to get to a different environment and I ended up, I left was actually to transfer the deadline in the summer I signed for Hull then after that
0: so you go to Hull and you've chosen Hull because you felt that was the place having left Derby you spent some time there and then you make another choice to go to Scotland so just tell us about the time at Hull and again when you started to
1: realise I need to look at something else so I went to Hull and obviously they had said to me at the time that look I still had another year left as a as an under eighteen, and they said, "Look, we're not going to put you in with the academy. They were on different training grounds. You're so, like, you're going to come straight in here, train with the reserves. You'll be in and around the first team, training with them." And I just thought, "Well, there's a step forward already. They were probably a smaller club and at the time than Derby and different facilities and whatever." But I thought there's a really good chance now to go and go and push on and get into a first team. And, like at the time, a reserve manager would have been Nick Barnby, and a Kevin Kilbane took over after that. So we were getting. It was, a, it was a step up, we were training with full internationals. There' a good few Irish lads there again, the likes of Robbie Brady, Paul McShane. We were all at the club at the time. And I just again, just really felt at home there, but with three or four different managers at the time that was there. Nigel Pearson was the manager when I first signed. He left, Nick Barmy went up from the reserves into the first team. He left at the end of that season and then Steve Bruce came in after that. But I thought it was doing okay, but at the end of the year they kind of said, look for the style of football we want to play and like they just signed David Moyler who was playing in the middle and they were like that's the type of midfielder we're looking for and he's six foot four and I'm not <laughs> 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 so it just they said, Look, you're just not really the fit for us, so you're free to go and look for a new club. <coughs> so then I ended up in I was going to trial around a couple of clubs, played a couple of exit trials, game at all their shot and went up to St Mirren, and th- Went on trial there a couple of times, played a couple of games, and decided to sign up there again to try and get a chance to play in the in the first team up there.
0: You're uh, in a seat that's often filled by uh, Mister Kilbane himself, and he was coaching the the whole reserves. Had he just retired, or was he exactly what had happened? And I I know a couple of years ago I spoke to to him about you, and he uh, he remembers you. And now you're sitting in uh, the same studio he's in every night for off the ball. That's it, yeah. Um, I think he
1: he'd had a couple of problems with a back injury. I think. So at the time he was still maybe registered as a player but was looking at getting into coaching and I think the opportunity came up then when Nick Barnaby stepped up to the first team for him to take over the reserves and he had us... The finish of my time there, a lot of it would have been with him and, you know, he was only getting, only getting started. I think he actually came back to play then after that once he left Hull, but it was great, you know. I grew up watching Kevin playing for Ireland and you, you never think that you're going to one day be he's taking you for a training session or you're sitting in having your lunch with lads like that and lads you've watched for years and so he was a great coach and you know he's obviously moved into this side of it now and seems happy enough in it but I think he could have made it a decent go of of being a coach as well you know
0: you you might have a look at that I'm sure in the the future too so you're with St Mirren when do you start to realise that coming home is something that you either
1: want to do or you have to do or you feel that it's the right thing to do So again, I went up there, started off pre-season well. Um, They were kind of in a dogfight at the time, down the bottom of the league. They'd finished sixth the season before, but a lot of it was kind of, they spent a lot of the season either bottom or one above bottom. So, you know, he'd signed me as a young player. He knew what I could do when I came in, but maybe they were a bit reluctant then to throw in some younger lads and a couple of older players came in and I ended up playing a lot of time with the under-20s and I'd been to see him And I had only signed for one year. So I was getting up near Christmas and I'm going, look, look, I'm not even training which is some days. like, What's going on? And he kind of turned around to me and goes, oh, well, look, I'll give you three games with the 20s to try and prove to me that you're good enough to still stay here. And at that time, I'm looking at him thinking, well, look, if I can turn your mind in three games, you're obviously not that pushed on having me here. So, And then I was living in Scotland. I was by myself. It was the first time I'd ever lived by myself. And I just, I wasn't happy. Outside of football, even I was just going home, kind of sitting around all day. Like, I had mates in the team, but they all had families and were all off doing their own thing, so I just came, you know, sitting at home, sad every day. And I just said, Look, I don't know. We went to see him. I'd only played two of the three games he offered me and said, Look, I think we're better off just, just leaving this. Like, there's no point in me. It was costing me money to live there. Like, to, to pay my own rent. They kind of said, Oh, look, you can come up, and if you start doing well, you'll be getting bonuses with the first thing whatever you will be able to cover it no problem, and it was putting stress on me. My mum and dad were helping me out with money as well, so it was going to cost everyone to be there, and it was going nowhere. So I decided that it was time just to just to live. Yeah. So
0: when you're at Derby and at Hull, you're still young enough to live in digs and and have a digs family and a digs lady to cook for you, and maybe live with other footballers too. And I know you you still keep in touch, particularly with the digs people you live with in Derby. But then you, you're in Scotland, and you know I remember speaking to Mikey Drennan and, and others. I, I think. Um, Conor Pepper, who you would have played against, I think, at times, was in Scotland too, living on his own, and they both spoke about just the loneliness and sadness of being on your own, and and that's something that happens to all Irish players, and there's nothing there to help
1: them. No, not at all. There still isn't? Yeah, well, like, when I was at Hull and at Derby, you might get, I think, I can't remember the guy's name, but he worked for the FAI and he'd visit around the clubs, but... Mick Lynham? No, it wasn't Mick. It okay. was a guy based in England. Okay. Mick, Mick always did a great job looking after the lads and he, you still see him now on Facebook. Yeah. Anytime someone scores or gets a move, he's always the first one in congratulating them. Yeah. But uh, there's a guy that used to come around okay. the clubs in England and we are talking all football league clubs, all the premiership clubs. So I think I saw him once in my three years in, in England. So he, he, I'm sure he's doing all he can, but it's very hard to really get a support in there. And when you're 18 or 19, the last thing you want to be going in is saying, oh, I'm, I'm sad at home when I, when I leave here and it's a bit, you know, you're know, a bit too proud to go in and say oh, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling that way or you're talking to your parents at home or whatever and you're ringing them and saying, oh yeah, it's great, I was in training earlier and you might be just, I've been sitting there and my mum came over a lot now she was regularly over in all my time in England and it was always a big help and it was great, she might get over once a month when I was living in Scotland and it was great having them over and I just kind of then every time she was coming over then I was thinking oh, I'd love to be back at home with the family or I was never homesick in my time at Derby or Hull or whatever but when I was in Scotland by myself it was kind of like oh, I'd love to be back at home and that wasn't something I'd ever considered before that was that uh, like I was living the dream I suppose, as a footballer and it was uh, if I'm not feeling great today I know I get to go in in the morning and play football but when I was that same year, and I just I wasn't getting that feeling going into training anymore and you're going in and kind of nearly Pretending to be in grey form for the lads being outwardly in grey form over trying, you know, trying to keep making everyone laugh and joke and whatever just to kind and hide maybe what you were feeling when you were at home, you know.
0: You mentioned the word proud there and I have the word pride question mark written down here. When you do decide that you're coming home and you've been this underage superstar here and you've gone away and at that time, you know, Facebook and Instagram wouldn't have been as massive as it is now and all of those young players now are like Instagram famous and they get thousands of likes and everything they put up. Where on that ladder were you when you were coming home and was your pride hit much given, you know, when you'd gone, everybody,
1: including yourself, thought I'm
0: gonna play in England for the next twenty years?
1: I I think if you go over and you don't think that you're wasting your time. And maybe that was that was how I felt and that was maybe why I didn't do a Leaving and and didn't think about school. I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm already thinking that there's a chance I might not make it here. So I had to go over and in my head be, I'm going to be a footballer. That's it. And that is the only way to make it. I probably wasn't, I was thinking that not doing schoolwork is me giving everything to be a footballer. I probably wasn't. I know I was listening to Paddy there before. He was saying the same thing. Probably didn't do himself justice over there. And I would probably say the same about myself. But coming home, you do, you feel like you failed, that, you know, everyone was saying, ah, oh, he's brilliant, he's guaranteed to make it, this and that, but... It's just, it does take a big hit, I like, consider not playing at all when I come home. And I didn't want to come home, I didn't want to be back living at home, because you'd have people, I'd come from a small place in Westmead, and even when I did come home, I was coming home for the summer, I was driving a course, and they were expecting me to be coming home in Lamborg- Rover, Lamborghinis yeah. and Range Rovers, and people don't really see goes on they don't know the ins and outs of making it as a footballer they think footballers are Stephen gerrard wayne rooney and you're on hundreds of thousands of weeks or what could be wrong with you over there we're talking like i'd probably make more money now working my own job than i ever did playing in england because until you've made it unless you're playing in the premier league or at the top of the championship you're not earning huge money and especially to get there you're probably like School at scholars at the time. I think the maximum you could be paid was 120 pound a week or something. And people think you should be coming home in Range Rovers, and it's just it's that's just not how it is. So even when you are over there, people are looking down on you, saying, "Look, like, oh, well, why hasn't he played? You? He's got he's over there two years now. How come he's not playing in the Premiership?" And people just don't get that concept of what it actually takes to make it as a footballer.
0: You're on the League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore here in studio, and it's a fascinating chat with. Keelan Dillon about his time in the UK with Derby Hull and St Mirren. And now back in the League of Ireland playing for Athlone. He's also played for Bowes and Longford and Drada as well. And if you're watching this, you're on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast on YouTube, you're listening to the podcast or you're listening on the radio on there. That's what I call sport on 98FM on Sunday. So Keelan came home then in the, you know, after that time in St Mirren, signed for Athlone Town. And I remember watching a game in Richmond Park of you playing for Athlone against Pats and thinking... God, he's still a really good player. And there you are in action for Atlone. <laughs> um, I'm not sure when that was. I think it was a couple of years ago, too. So you've come home, you signed for Atlone. Was Keith Long the manager then, or was he...? Uh, Mick Cook was okay. actually the manager
1: when I first signed. And then Keith um, took over. And Keith took over and then. took after, you to Bowes? After 10, took me to okay. Bowes then
0: after that. Yeah. So Atlone, Bowes, Longford, Drogheda, and now back to Atlone. And that's all since kind of January 2014. So you're, you're like a League of Ireland veteran now. You're in your fifth season. How do you sum up your, your time with, with those clubs, coming back to Atlone as a young player wanting to make an impact in the league. You did and you managed to then move to a Premier team quite quickly.
1: Yeah, I had the chance to go to some of the other Premier Division clubs at the time. Maybe some of the full-time clubs when I first came home. But like I said, I wasn't really pushed on playing at all. I got a phone call off Stephen Kenny to go and play for their under-19s in a in a friendly game. Was Dundalk? Yeah, with okay. Dundalk, just to kind of have a look at me. And we played, I think we played the Ireland under 17s maybe. And I scored in the game and did all right. But Stephen was still like, come in, have a look come up and train the same with Rovers and Derry at the time they wanted me to go in and kind of on a trial basis and where I was at the at the time I was where I was at the time I didn't really want to go trialing. I wanted to be somewhere that wanted me so Harry Kenny was at the game he was mixed assistant all that alone he'd known my dad from years ago so we kind of put two and two together that when he saw the names or whatever and said look if he's home and he wants to get back playing get him in with us and you know as long as he's doing his stuff, he'll he play for us. So that was why I picked the go to that loan and I played every game bar one that year. I was suspended for the last game of the season for four yellows. And that was the only game I I missed all that year. So obviously Keith came in. I was playing right back at the start under Mick and then Keith came in and put me into midfield and I had a good season and he brought me to bows with him then.
0: Keith and finally going back to it loan and mentioned a couple of other clubs you played with drawdown at long for where you weren't an ever present in the team. How hungry are you to go in and, and really show, like you're only 25, to really show people and yourself that you can actually play every week and, and you know make a really good contribution to your team?
1: Well, that's it. That was the main reason I signed for Athlone. Again, I went and met Terry and he said, similar to the first time I signed for Atlone, you need games. If you're coming in here and you're doing your stuff, you'll get them here. I've you know, gone away, worked hard pre-season and in the off-season as well to come back and I just really want to play as many games as possible now push on, hopefully you do you know, we will improve over that long, but it'll be a good season, there's a good buzz around the place. Feels great coming home on a Friday night after playing, scored a couple of goals, but even with that, just being back involved on a Friday knowing that you're gonna be either get on or you're gonna start. Like I haven't had that in the last couple of seasons, you kinda of in and out, you do get back in, you do well or maybe only in because someone's injured or suspended and you do get back in then but I'm really looking forward now to play in as many games and you know, try and contribute whatever way I can.
0: And you're also working full-time and playing, and as you mentioned, still a number of years left in, in the legs to play, hopefully. Is there still an ambition to play full-time football here, or do you have an eye on, well, I'm, I'm now in a job where I might be able to progress up the ladder and then still play League of Ireland football part-time?
1: Yeah, it's very hard now. It'd have to be, especially a lot of the time now, but one-year contracts. If you give up your job, go and take... Maybe for similar money than much I get in between the two of them, between the two jobs, the football and work, it would be very hard to say. Right, well, I go and give this Sebastian one year, but obviously if I get it's easy sitting here saying that when there's nobody asking you to do it. But you know, if a team that's in Europe full time comes in and offers you full time football, that was what I always wanted to be. It would again be very hard to turn down, but it's a serious conversation I'd have to have with the people around me and see is this the right thing to do. But. If it did come up, I'd probably find it very hard to turn down, gone back in to play full-time football, knowing what I know now, having been there when I was younger and maybe not done myself justice, you know.
0: The one word I would use to describe our chat is honest. Is it easy to be dishonest about what you've kind of been through in the last 10 years? Because it's it's so nice to hear and I hope people listening and watching will appreciate the honesty of, of the story you're telling. Like,
1: Yeah, well, I was actually only having a conversation with, with a young lad down near where I lived the other day and he was talking about Another player who's come back from England then it was, ah, he's, he's homesick, he's missing home. I'm not saying the lads don't feel that, but if you're flying every week and you're doing everything you can and you're playing, it's very hard to feel homesick like you are. If you're at a premiership club or whatever, if you're playing every week, like I said now, even just being at loan playing every week, you're in great form all week. It makes being away much easier if you're playing and you're progressing, you're playing a year above, you're playing in the reserves. It does make things easier, and it's also easy to turn around and say, "Ah, such and such a manager just didn't like me or face didn't fit. But I think if you do everything you can while you're over there, I think there is a level that you will make it at. And I just don't think that I did enough while I was there to really have a go at it, you know.
0: Well, still plenty more to go. Keaton, thank you so much.
1: Cheers, Emmy. 98 FM. Now that's what I call sport. Get the full show
0: every Sunday morning from 9, only on 98 FM.